Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, this is week two in a message series called The Jealous Heart of God. And where we began last week was with, um, you know, a rather difficult, dare I say, troubling concept that God in the Bible reveals himself to us as jealous. God says to us in Scripture that he is a jealous God. Now that lands funny. That lands a little bit weird on, on most of us because jealousy is not, uh, it's not an attribute we aspire to. Uh, nobody here is trying to become more jealous with their, their life, you know? You don't hear people saying things like that, you know? What have you been working on lately? Well, I've been trying to be more mindful. Trying to be more, I hear this all the time. Trying to be more centered. Trying to be more mindful, more fully present. That's a big thing right now. And I'm all for that. Rock on with your bad self and do your thing. You know, (laughs) mindful, centered. What about you? What are you working on? Well, I've been working on my jealousy. Oh, yeah, it's hard not to be jealous. No, no, I'm trying to become more jealous. That's, That's what I'm working on. God's jealous, so apparently it's cool. Like, that's... That's not, we don't say things like that. Jealousy to us is still something off-putting. So how does it work? How how is it okay for God to be jealous? Well, God, God is jealous because of the following premise. And this might be new to you if you're newer to church. We just got done with an eight-week series called Starting Point. Uh, So if some of you guys came through that and you're kind of, kind of going, all right, I'm ready. I want to take this thing for a spin. I want to jump in. Others of you, you've been coming to church for years and years. This message is probably better for you if you've been coming to church for years and years. In fact, if you're new, I'm going to be addressing you from time to time through the message. I want you to feel like it's okay to take a pass on, what, on, on some of what I'm about to say. But let me begin with this. The jealousy that, we're ta- that God reveals to us in Scripture begins with this premise. It is always God who initiates with you. God initiates with us. If there's a relationship, like... Every relationship you've ever been in, somebody has to ask the other person out, right? Come on, guys, wake up. All right, so it's God. If this is a middle school dance and all the guys are, do they still do this to to kids? Do they still have middle school dances? I don't know if they still torture kids today the way they did when I was, you know, all the guys are clumped up over here and all the girls are clumped up over here. And even if you brought a date to the dance, it doesn't mean you're standing near each other or even going to dance with each other. So one person has to walk across the dance floor and say, and hold out their hand and go, come on, let's dance. It's God who walks across the dance floor to you and to me and says, come on, let's dance. Let's do this. Let's, let's be in a relationship. And as God does this, he expresses his love for us and to us. Now, one of the places, we kind of parked on this for a little bit last week, one of the places where the English language, as wide and wonderful it is, as it is, one of the places where the English language utterly fails us is with regard to the word love. We take the meaning of the word love from context, but we, we use that word to describe And it's such an important word. We use this word to describe so many different feelings. Well, I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my kids. I love sports. I love ice cream. I love the beach. I love, there's all these different types of love. Those are all different things, those emotions. 
but it's all the same word, love. Well, in Greek, in ancient Greek, which is the language that most of the New Testament was written in, there are actually three distinct words that translate into the English word love. Three different Greek words render down to love. Philos, eros, and agape. Those are Greek words that we find. And every time one of those three words appears, the English translation is just love. But those words mean different things. Philos is the love of a friend, the love of a brother, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which, by the way, it is not. <laughs> Eros is a physical love, sexual love, which, of course, gives us our word erotic. Agape is the third type of love mentioned in the Bible, and that is a spiritual, passionate, and holy love. God initiates with us with agape. It says, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want you and I to dance. Like, I want to be connected to you. I'm inviting you in. And what you and I tend to do with that invitation is go, you know, I, I, th thank you. That's great. But I really think maybe we're better as friends. You ever have somebody say that to you? Yeah, you have. Last week, I very courageously, I think, shared about, you know, a disaster from my, my eighth grade year. Uh, There's a young lady that I was very, very interested in, dare I say, in love in only the way an eighth grader can be in love, you know. And uh, I just thought, oh, we'd make the best couple, and, and I, was just, I was just crazy about her. And I just thought, man, this is going to be great. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and we, we hung out with, in groups. We hung out together. Like, I just thought it was going to be so perfect. And finally, I made my move because I had that eighth grade kung fu. And I made my move, and I said, hey, will you go out with me? And I knew in a split Second, even my tiny little eighth grade lizard brain knew this is done because the instant I said the words, she went, oh. That facial expression alone told me, you're dead. You're dead in the water. Why? Every guy knows what I'm talking about. Every guy in the room knows that the following sentence is going to be, oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice, but I, I just think we're better as friends. And I knew then, like, that guy just, I mean, just, oh, it was the worst thing you could hear. I did not walk away from that encounter and go, yeah, friends. <laughs> I was so upset because I wanted this level of a relationship, and she was saying, I would rather this. God's jealousy comes from, hey, I've initiated with you from a place of agape, a passionate, all-involving love, and you're saying, mm, you, the English language has failed us here. You've seen it because some of, some of you got the friend line. Some of, you, some of you have heard, some of you in the room have heard this. Oh, I love you too. Just not in that way. Right? Yeah. 
And so she's saying, I love you too, which is what you wanted to hear, but she's not saying the same kind of love. It's because that word love is so multifaceted and we use it for so many different things. You know and I know, you don't come away from that encounter and go, she loves me too. So you're saying there's a chance. You're not doing that. You're going, oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that she loved me too. What happens in our relationship with God is that God reveals himself to us and looks for connection with us, and what we tend to do with that is go, yeah, I think, friends. Now, if you're new to church or newer to church, you're probably saying to yourself, I don't have God in the friend zone. I would love a deep relationship with God. I don't know what you're talking about. I know, I know, I know. Just stay with me if you're new or newer Stay in your lane. This probably isn't for you. This might be, though, for you if you've been coming to church for years and years and you're figuring, well, I never told God I've got him in the friend zone. Yeah, you may not have ever told God with your words that you're better off as friends, but you have told God with your actions. Every single time you go to bed at the end of a day and not so, without so much as an acknowledgement of the blessings of the day. Every time you close your eyes to go to sleep at night and don't even think to hoist up a prayer. Every time you wake up in the morning and praising him is not what comes to mind at some point, some point in your morning routine. You tell him, I think we're just better as friends. Sure do like you, but better as friends. Every time you go days, weeks, or even months without ever opening up the scriptures for yourself. Many of you, you don't even know where your Bible is. Some of you don't, like the app, the thing, you're just, there's no effort at all being made to hear from God, to connect with God, and you come here once a week and call it love. So I am getting up in your face a little bit this morning. I do intend to be a pastor to you. If you were in a relationship with somebody and you had zero contact with them for six days and on the seventh day said, yeah, I guess I better check in, would you call that love? No. No, your spouse would not tolerate that from you. Your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance would not tolerate that from you. We would not tolerate that behavior from anybody else. We would say to them, you don't love me, that's a joke. But for some reason, we, th we think it's okay, like we'll just treat God this way and call it love. That's not love. So yeah, I'm aware. And some of you are like, dude, easy, holy cow, like this is my first day here. Could you dial it down a bit? I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not usually this intense. But it's okay once in a while to take a hard look at ourselves and do a little introspection. Now some of you, particularly if you're new, came up and you're, you're, you're already thinking, dude, I used to go to a church where they just made me feel terrible about myself every week. I'm not trying to leave here and feel terrible about myself. Hello, because in the first place, I came to church. Hello, that's a thing. And I'm doing better than everybody else. Like I drove down the block and all my neighbor's cars are still in their driveway, bro. They're all still asleep and I got here for church. So like I'm checking the box, I'm putting my time in, I'm doing the thing. Many of you, many of you know a little bit about what happened on the Titanic from having watched the movie, yeah? One of the things the film got right was that as it collided with the iceberg and as the iceberg perforated 
all those watertight compartments in the side of the ship ensuring its demise. When that happened, the iceberg sprayed ice all over the deck of the ship. Now, as that event unfurled and as the iceberg and the Titanic collided, and the iceberg glanced off this way, off the starboard side, and as the ship continued on its course, what occurred on deck? Answer? Nothing. Nothing occurred on deck. Everyone went right along as if everything was fine. People were kicking, like playing with the ice. People were picking up chunks of the iceberg and putting it in their drinks. Seriously, that happened. Why? Because everybody figured if there's going to be a problem, everybody else would be freaking out. And not to be cute, but literally, we're all in the same boat. So here we are. Many of us are gauging our relationship with God based on external markers we're picking up from other people. So particularly if, you're, if you've been coming to church for a while, you might be looking around going, well, I know I'm more spiritual than he is. I'm way more spiritual than she is. I'm, I've read her Instagram feed. Forget about it. I'm at church. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm good. Listen, and let me plead with you for a minute here. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to browbeat you. Nothing good is going to come from you leaving the church feeling like, oh, I'm terrible, I'm awful, I'm a worm. I'm, like, like, I'm not after that, but I would love for you to do a little bit of appropriate introspection and ask yourself, how have you responded to God's invitation to be in deep relationship with him? What has your life's response been? And if you've been coming to church for years and years, isn't it time you started some kind of a prayer life? I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I don't want to shoot too high here. Let's just start right where we're at. Just say a prayer once in a while. Can we start there? Thank God for the meals that you eat. Say a prayer before bed. Say a prayer when you wake up in the morning. And I don't mean say a prayer like get down on your knees and say a written prayer. Just talk to him. Start a connection with him. Begin to have a relationship that doesn't just involve a once-a-week encounter. Start talking to him. Maybe, dig this, make a list of stuff you want to pray for. Some of you have never done that. I have an app. I, do, I actually do this on my phone, as anti-spiritual as that may seem. I have an app called Clear. It's just a list app. It's not even a... It's not a... Um, it's not a Bible thing or a Christian thing. It's, just a, it's like you could make shopping lists with it. I just keep a list of things and people that I am praying for. And I'm, believe me, not like the most super spiritual dude you ever met. You probably think that I'm just like a pastor, and so I just sit around and like levitate all day and pray and stuff. Like, this just not, I'm, I'm much more of a regular guy than you would think. But when I pray, I have a list of things that I pray for. Isn't it time you started to have some kind of a prayer life? Open up some scriptures. Read from the Psalms. Read from the Proverbs. Read a couple of verses. See what it does. Isn't it time you started tithing? I mean, how many times are you going to hear me or one of our teaching team talking about this and just go, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do that. 
you know what, God, I hear you. I, want, I, I understand the nature of the commitment, all in and that whole thing and the cross and all of it. Yeah, I like that's so great. I just, I just like us as friends. You don't feel like you're saying it, but that's what you're saying with those actions. And God is jealous. Now, what, what is jealousy? Jealousy is when somebody has something that you want. Yes? That's jealousy. When somebody has something that you want. A thing, uh, a house, a car, an object, or a person. In the, in the Ten Commandments, we're told, do not covet your neighbor's goods or home. We're also told, do not covet your neighbor's wife. So jealousy could also involve a person, a thing or a person that you would like to have for your own. God is saying, I'm jealous because I want you and I don't have you. God wants you, but he doesn't have you. Your appetites have you. Your appetites have you. Your habits have you. And yes, the matrix has you. And that's not a cheeseball reference to a sci-fi film. There is a matrix. I'm not talking about a computer simulation. I'm talking about a grid, a world in which we live that has just become standard and normal. And it is standard and normal even among believing populations, among Christians, to have this nominal, weak, like anemic spiritual life and say, yeah, I'm his. God wants more than that. And this isn't, listen up now, because this is big. This isn't, you have to go do better. So go do better. I mean, a lot of preachers could whip that up. I'm not after that. You know why? Because I know that Christianity is not primarily a matter of commitments and the will. It isn't. Don't know what that was. Might have, might have been God. Okay, so Christianity is not primarily a matter of the will and commitment. Is someone playing a YouTube video? Like I'm trying to suss that out. All right, whatever. Sorry. Um, Christianity is not primarily a matter of the will and of commitment. Christianity is primarily a matter of response. It's responding. God walks across the dance floor, holds his hand out to you. Come on, let's go. What are you going to do with that? That's the question. It's responding to the cross. It's responding to God's great love for you. It's looking into the eyes of love and seeing this, this amazing, like I'm, I'm saying, the most attractive entity in the entire cosmos is saying, I want you and I to be connected. This isn't, you have to do better, you have to do more. This is saying, if anything other than God is your primary passion in life, you settled. If anything other than God is your primary passion, you settled and God is jealous. This is the book of Exodus, chapter 20, beginning at verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God and will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. 
Now, nobody here is carving idols and worshiping literal gods. We're going to hear some more about what they were doing in the Old Testament. We're going to hear some more about that next week. But for now, nobody is carving an idol and worshiping it. But are we worshiping other gods? Yeah, we are. Is money a god? Yeah, of course it is. Well, how do you know? Because it's what you pay attention to. It's what you think about. It's what you perseverate on. If you could, does anybody ever look at, um, one, one thing I try actually to track, my, my iPhone each week sends me a little update. I get a notification on my screen time. Seriously, it tells me, hey, your, your average screen time each day was X amount, and I, and I like to try to knock that down a little bit, you know. Um, what we, what we want to do is connect with God a little bit deeper. I actually just lost my train of thought. I forgot where I was going. That almost never happens to me, but I'm going to get back to my notes here for a second. Hang on. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, so God wants to fill your hands. He wants to connect with you, but we tend to worship other gods. We're off worshiping other gods. Money is a god, something that we worship, something that we think about. If you could track how much time each day you spend thinking about money and how much time you spend thinking about God, who would win? Which do you think more about during the day, God or money? Depends on the day. Yes? Come on, depends on the day. What about... uh? Sports. Oh, I'm up in your mug now, yeah. What about sports? What about football or golf? The sport that you watch or the sport that you play? What about your next career move? What about your next sexual conquest? What about your next, whatever the thing is that you are obsessing over, you have made an idol out of that thing. Anything, listen up now, Anything that's more important to you than your relationship with your heavenly father is an idol, and he's jealous. He's jealous. Now look at Connecting to God and responding to God with agape, with that passionate love, doesn't mean you necessarily have to say goodbye to these other things. It might. For example, if you're thing that you're perseverating on is categorically incompatible with following Jesus. If you're currently embroiled in an extramarital affair, that's just not going to be compatible with following Jesus. That thing's going to have to go. If you're currently embezzling money from your employer, that's not going to be compatible with following Jesus. That has to go. You got a porn habit, got to go. Like you understand there are some things that are going to be fundamentally incompatible. But what, but, but what about, what about golf? We talked about that last week. What about football? What about Art, or cars, or food, or whatever else it might be that you seem to obsess over, listen up. Listen now. You don't have to jettison these things and never touch them again. It simply means you have to put them in their place and say, money, golf, ice cream, cars, food, whatever it might be, you are not God in my life. God is God in my life. And I'm going to worship God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And man, I'm going to tell you something. Just whatever it might be, 
the football game you're going to watch, the round of golf you're going to play, the meal you're going to eat, whatever it might be. If your life is focused on your heavenly father and he's the center of your life, a round of golf played where golf is your God is going to be miserable. A round of golf played where Jesus is the center of your life and golf is just one of the many blessings you get to enjoy is going to be way better. Whatever the thing is you're obsessing over, you have settled. You settled. That thing is never going to satisfy you the way a relationship with God could. That thing is never going to be able to meet your needs the way a relationship with God will. So when you and I say, yeah, you know, I think I just like things the way they are. I think we're better as friends. It's not just that we're dishonoring God. It's that we're dooming ourselves to a life of second best. You will never be as fulfilled and as fired up and switched on as you will be when God is at the center of your life. Never as fulfilled and excited as you will be when you look into the eyes of love and see God calling you into relationship and when you respond and go, I love you too. Truly I do. Let's do this. Let's dance. You enjoy all these other things so much. So if you, so much better. If, if you feel so moved, Begin to form some spiritual habits. Begin to have a daily prayer time. Open the Bible from time to time. Do honor him with your finances. Because the scriptures say that's the primary place where God's going to be in competition with something else in your life. Whatever it is you're enjoying, do it to the glory of God. And don't keep God in the friend zone any longer. He doesn't belong there, and he's jealous and he wants out. And we'll pick it up right from here next week for part three. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we love you, and we're so grateful that we get to gather here, to connect with you, to hear from you. Lord, even when your word convicts us, even when it's difficult to hear these things, even when we we sort of feel a little bit bad. Father, remind us that it's only that you love us like crazy. That it's only that you want so badly to be in deep relationship with us. That your jealousy stems from your great love for us. Remind us of these things, Father. Not that we might walk out of here feeling terrible about ourselves, but Father, just that we might walk out of here feeling called, drawn unto you. And maybe, if it's appropriate, feeling foolish for having settled for all these second best things. May we be a people that respond well to that amazing invitation that you've given us. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.